Hey, guys. Huh. Check this out. And welcome to Check This Out, a podcast where we take an analytical view of the media that appeals to us as individuals and why. I am Elle, your host, and with me today is special guest and enemy of the show, Dino. If you would, <laughs> uh, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Ah, uh, yes. Hello. Uh, my name is Dino Winwood. I am an online personality and independent wrestling personality as well. So I guess you could say I'm a man of multiple personalities, which is definitely not far off. Uh, uh, I've had so many uh, stays at a lot of companies, uh, more notably Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, the big international fly-in zone. Um, I am also a part of New Legacy Inc., a pretty good presence on the uh, video game streaming uh community and uh, i'm also currently a part of championship wrestling from hollywood uh driving my roommate howdy price and uh w3 the online fed consisting of myself courtney rush and andrew everett and our boy nexus which is just an online fed that uh makes a whole classic style wrestling television show with backstage segments and everything else uh, but using Fire Pro Wrestling console. So we we make good use of uh, all of our resources here, even before everything that has led up to now. <laughs> yeah, in the, the ongoing goings-on. That's the best way to put it. I'm quite surprised that I kept it pretty lighthearted myself. So <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, personally, I am a fan of most of those. I, I haven't been able to get too many wrestling shows from here in Australia, but... Oh, if I ever get the opportunity. Oh, I, I definitely hope so. Uh, I feel Australia has a very underappreciated and underwatched scene. A lot of great talent coming from uh, down under. Um, I mean, most notably my boys from uh, TMDK. Mm-hmm. But a friend of mine, Mr. Uh, Tyler, uh, me, uh, Tyler Matthews, when he was wrestling as Kid Carnage, did a little sabbatical there. And the clips that he showed me of a lot of the shows that he was a part of, super fun. So, like, I have to figure out a way to get down there when everything is cool. I mean, as long as it's not the area where the big-ass spiders are, I'm fine. Like, because I hate spiders. Don't like spiders, uh, but I love spiders. Depends spider on the time of year. At the moment, we're currently going undergoing some heavy rain and flooding. So there's the okay. great spider migration. Great! Which is just... So never when it's raining. <laughs> uh, if you live in the city, suddenly you have a countryside worth of spiders. Oh, wonderful. So I'm never going to go there, is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I mean, the big the big ones are easy to spot. Well, I, I sure as shit would hope so. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just going to put my phone down here. Oh, big spider, you know? <laughs> So you're bringing something to us that you enjoy and are passionate about. Uh, could you talk a little bit about it in your own words? Yes, absolutely. That's going to be a lot. Um, what I'm bringing to you is outlandish, crazy-ass cinema, preferably of the of the 1990s. Um, 
consisting of films like Wild at Heart, Perdita Durango, Axio Mutante, and Freaked. Um, these are films that are not your standard boy meets girl, girl falls in love with boy, and they have a slight misunderstanding, and for some reason that keeps them apart for months. Or, uh, you know, big action gun downs, big muscly bastards <laughs> shooting each other. Or... Uh, you know, uh, a father finds uh, finds out that he has a daughter and hopes that they can reconcile. None of that bullshit. No. I mean, not to say that there's anything wrong with that. Everybody has their own choice. But me, uh, the professional weird kid since I was age five, that's the farthest back I, I can remember, um, I've always liked the weird stuff. I've always liked the non-conventional stuff. I've always liked the more colorful stuff and the more nightmarish stuff. And so... Um, yeah, the, the, the outlandish cinema is definitely something that has definitely uh, spoken to me, uh, in the days of me writing screenplays in my room or playing, uh, video games closest to that type of style. Um, for me, it's what movie making is all about from many different countries around the world. You will always find a movie that is straight like, what the hell is this? And why aren't more people talking about it? I think you and I are going to get along just fine. Excellent! <laughs> so you listed off a couple of titles there. Is there one that jumps out in particular to talk about today? Uh, yes, uh, I would definitely like to talk about uh, uh, Acción Mutante, um, which is from director Alex de la Iglesias. Uh, he's a Spanish director. Uh, this was his first film, one of his first films that majorly got backed up. It is a a good first attempt. Not the best film, but the plot of it is a terrorist group of deformed mutants uh, uh, who go on a rampage of taking out the beautiful and the rich and the healthy end up kidnapping the daughter of uh, a rich, I, I think like a construction tycoon from what I could tell from the the subtitles <laughs> and hold her for ransom. And she develops Stockholm syndrome for the, the evil mutant leader who ends up uh, betraying his crew and they land on a distant planet trying to make the exchange for her and uh, the ransom. So, so off to a good start then off to a great start. The ending is very abrupt and random but the fact that this particular movie was made um, is very, very interesting and definitely something that I don't see getting made anytime soon, uh, mainly because the idea of mutants in this film is like one guy has a face who's half deformed. The, there's another one in a, a floating kind of wheelchair device. Um, another one is a pair of Siamese twins. Uh, which, by the way, later on in the film, one of them dies, and the other one is carrying him around while doing shit. And uh, <laughs> and then um, one of the other descriptions of the quote-unquote mutants is a hunchback homosexual character, which I still feel is could be a great name for a band from the 90s. Not from, not from America, of course. But I think Hunchback Homosexual would be a really cool shirt to wear. Um, like if you're if you're like a 90s rocker, like, oh, I got my ministry shirt or, or I got my I got my uh, 
my TSOL shirt. And then I got my Hunchback Homosexual shirt. So it's definitely a nice ring to it. Kind of the thing that it's like almost unreadable font. Yeah. Like it's like kind of tattered and and a little bit faded but it's it's got like a really cool picture of the character on there but again it's a really great film uh it could have been better like fleshed out because i think that they had so much potential with a lot of the characters that get killed off and uh the ending as well the ending is so weird like to the not to the point of like Oh, well, that was weird. I, I could accept that. Just like, what the hell were they? Did they just say, hey, we're at a budget. We don't have any more ideas. So let's end with a big explosion. Two of the characters leaving and then a bar full of drunken uh, mine workers uh, singing in Spanish. And that's it. Which so. just from the description puts me in the mind of uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, pretty much. One of the best abrupt endings ever. And... Uh, and Blazing Saddles. Oh, Blazing Saddles, I think, is one of my favorite endings, mainly because the simplicity of the joke. Like, even as a kid, when Sheriff Bart is riding off and you see you see uh, the Waco kid with the thing of popcorn in his hand, he's like, where are you head, cowboy? Nowhere special. And as a kid, I'm like, oh, please say it. And he says, nowhere special. I always wanted to go there. I choked on my apple juice like <laughs> i was just completely chuckling so hard that it came out of my nose and everything mind you this was on tv i didn't see mm. the unedited one until my parents god bless them bought me the vhs now i don't know if they've ever seen blazing saddles but that's not really a movie that you give a kid on his birthday <laughs> that depends on which birthday that is true. It was not a proper birthday. Fair enough. <laughs> birthday to get the VHS, but I loved that movie because it was like it was goofy, it was silly. I, as a kid, I was very uncomfortable by the, the racial slurs, and then as I got mm. older, I found out that it was a cavalcade of many different races writing and making this film. So it was like the weirdest form of equality that I'd ever seen. <laughs> I mean, speaking of movies that probably wouldn't get made today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't, I can't even entertain the idea of who would want to remake Placing Saddles and not just because like, oh, it's comedy genius. It can't be touched. Like, no, no, it's a very offensive movie. <laughs> yeah, just a little. Uh, so, uh, cool. I've got some questions designed here to delve a little deeper into that enjoyment of yours, if that's all right with you. Yes, please, by all means. All right. So question one. Imagine that I was someone who'd just been awoken from a coma or resurrected from being frozen in ice or gifted some semblance of sentience by some giant peanut god. Cool. So essentially, I don't know what media is. Like, I know what media is, sorry. I've just never experienced any. So how oh. would you explain this, this movie to me without comparing it to anything? Okay, so you were an Amish person who stumbled into a cryogenic freezer <laughs> and you... Short <laughs> is no barn. And you've woken up. <laughs> Ishmael, Hezekiah, are you okay? 
<laughs> Listen, I <laughs> so uh, in order to bring you up to speed here with the modern times, I've uh, come across this film here that might uh, prepare you for the uh, the non-conventional ways that you're used to from your time. Uh, this is uh, Axion Mutante. Uh, I did that as Caucasian as possible because I'm Mexican, but I wanted to make sure that you knew how to properly pronounce it. Uh, this is a Spanish film. Now, uh, this film takes place in a fictional uh, distant future uh, consisting of rich and powerful people, uh, very materialistic, who are um, attacked and uh, – and, uh, targeted by a group of uh, quote-unquote mutated uh, terrorists. I like to think of them more as outsiders, uh, if you will, with thus mild to little, uh, I don't want to say deformities, but I'm going to say differences. Well, uh, they end up, uh, I guess you could say, uh, kidnapping or obtaining this uh, daughter of a rich uh, businessman, and proceed to take a, uh, a uh, kind of like a, a flying buggy, if you will, uh, to a distant planet where they are to trade off her for a sum of money. And uh, yes, this actually goes beyond the stars uh, in, in the intergalactic zones. Uh, that's pretty much all I can tell you. And uh, if you feel confused at the end, don't worry, because even us who weren't cryogenically frozen are still confused by it. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, th that would work, I think. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so uh, question two. Hypothetically, our positions are reversed, and I'm guesting on your immensely popular and award-winning podcast. And I've just answered <laughs> question one with that response verbatim. What is the part okay. that responded most with you? Uh, I'm uh, mutants, uh, kidnapping. Uh, uh, this is uh, this is highly irregular. <laughs> uh, as you can see, I don't know how to do an Amish voice. <laughs> I mean, hey, you... I mean, Christ! I saw a witness, but <laughs> you're, you're probably a better shot than oh. me, to be honest. Oh, I just have to be sure to do the proper thing. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> um, it's <laughs> so <laughs> so. Uh, Spanish films, eh? Uh, they do they uh, speak English in this, or is oh no, they're subtitles. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I'm having a conversation with myself now. I, I do. That, we're at this point of the show, I, ladies and gentlemen. I do enjoy reading. Yes. <laughs> I do enjoy reading. Oh, great. Fantastic. Uh, um, <laughs> I think that'd be the only part, though. <laughs> that would really get to me. Oh, these are good questions. I've never been caught off guard like this before. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the idea, because then it's the instant reaction. Yeah. <laughs> so, question three. Obviously, the, yeah. this is something that you care about, because... It, you were here talking about it. Um, what got you to give it a chance in the first place? Well, I was a big fan of the director's previous works. Uh, Perdita Durango, I had mentioned. Um, that was a film based on a, a novel by a guy named Barry Gifford, who wrote 
David Lynch's Wild at Heart. It, that was the book that it was based off of. And then there was a character named Perdita Durango who um, was a small character in Wild at Heart. And he always said she took over the story. She was going to take over the book. So I gave her her own. And that film, um, I remember catching on like, Cinemax a long time ago. This is back when Cinemax used to actually do a mixture of really good independent international cinema and softcore pornography. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> over here it was known as Dance with the Devil. Now, I had seen it, and I'm like, dude, this movie is very wild. Like, it, the plot to it was like this badass woman played by Rosie Perez meets up with Javier Bardem, who is a uh, false voodoo uh, priest who uh, gets a job to steal a shipment of uh, isolated fetuses for illegal skincare products. And it all goes sour, and so they are on the road with two hostages that they play like these weird sex games with. As and you do. Yet at the same, as you do, especially in Spanish cinema. <laughs> and at the same time, they fall in love, deeper in love with each other, while at the same time teaching these uh, pure hostages how to live life. It is a very bizarre love story. So I'm like, what the hell else has this director done? And I started watching The Last Circus. I started watching 800 Bullets. And then I found he did a film called uh, Acción Mutante. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. Uh, that sounds pretty interesting based on these clips. And uh, luckily, uh, a wonderful uh, fan on, on my Twitter, uh, his name is Elface, uh, linked me to it. And I was able to watch it recently. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. This is very 90s. From the title sequence all the way to the end. Uh, it felt like it could have been in the same universe as like Tank Girl or uh, I want to say kind of uh, a Johnny Mnemonic kind of things. Mm. It was very futuristic. The 90s were really big on cyberpunk and dystopian futures and stuff like that. And so for me, that was my time as a kid. And it was a it was a pretty fun experience. So I was just like, all right, let me look at what else this director has done. And uh, real quick though, another film that he did was called Day of the Beast. Uh, it's about a priest who figures out the exact date and time of when the Antichrist is going to be born. And so in order to get close to it to kill the Antichrist, he has to sin as much as possible. And so you have this little old priest going around town stealing and pushing people off ledges and shit in order to try and capture the Antichrist. Hmm. Yeah. See, these are the plots that capture my interest. I'm like, what? I've never heard anything like that. And being a man of Latin descent and, and raised around a bunch of Catholics, that's blasphemous as fuck. So, of course, I'm going to check this out because it's going to piss a lot of the Catholics off and everything else. And yet it's completely harmful. It's not saying screw religion or anything like that. It's just a particular situation involving a man of God who is doing all the bad things, but for a good reason. Like that's, that's original to me. So. Yeah. And I mean, like as a kid, you're into the, the whole like uh, anti-authority angles and things like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. And I still think there's a market for it today. So. What anti-authority angles? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's better if I say it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, as an Australian, it's like looking at America, it's like, hmm, we're doing pretty well, I think. Oh, you're doing fantastic, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I apologize for America for just... Oh, yeah, they know. Yeah. They know by now. And if they're listening to your show, then they really they really should know. Like, hey, we, we think a little more freely around here. You know what? We know what, what we know what time it is. <laughs> At least that's the faith that I have in, in your listeners. Oh, thank you. To, to have a brain. So a brain and they think. So always question. But to a point, you know, don't be like, oh... Well, they're injecting microchips in your... No, you asshole. <laughs> like, if that was the case, wouldn't we have flying cars and shit already, like, as a as an essential? Yeah, where's my hoverboard? So... Right? Where's my hoverboard? Where's my my Jude Law sex bot or something? Well, <laughs> 2015, Marty McFly brings hoverboards to the world. Where is mine? Come on. Yep. You're on the clock. Where's my goddamn hoverboard? <laughs> to quote the Joker uh, cartoon. Yeah. Where's my electric car, Bruce? <laughs> Where's the electric car, Bruce? <laughs> uh, so, question four. Ooh. For some people, a sense of like-minded and uh, like-mindedness and community is integral to their enjoyment of something. To your knowledge, is there a community around this film? And if so, what are they like? Well, to my knowledge, I would like to think that there is. There is uh, an actual band based off of this film called Axion Mutante. Um, I think that this, there is a community for this movie who can look past the plot points and the shortcomings of it. Um, as yes, I don't need to be a supermodel. I don't need to be Mr. Athletic. I can just be me and I can be just like every other human being in the world. Your status and your looks don't mean anything because we are actually human and we are capable of doing good things and we are capable of doing selfish things. And that's the message that I took away from that film. And honestly, there's a lot of people in this world that I've had the fortunate enough uh, a privilege to meet that think the same way while at the same time uh, are out there trying to make sure that people who don't see that, who are beautiful in what many would consider their – they're nonconformist deformities, if you will. Mm. Uh, and honestly, like I can go on and on. I can go on Twitter and I'll see so many wonderfully talented and beautiful people think down on themselves because they're not like a specific mold. And to which I will go out of my way and say, fuck that. You are fantastic. You are beautiful. You are talented. It's just, you know, I need, we need you to keep creating. We need you to keep being yourself. Because, yes, you see the spotlight on all these cookie-cutter people, but at the same time, we still tend to inspire those just like us. So that way, the better things can come along, whether it be media, music, art, fashion, self-care, anything. So that That is a great message as well. I mean, I'm just thinking about the times I've seen all the pictures of, oh, celebrities on a red carpet. I honestly think yeah. they've reused the same photo for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's like, oh, and the all thing our is cameras too, broke like, years ago. We're just going to repost this exact same photo. I can't tell. Same pose, same, like, lighting on the face. It's just a different background. And they, like, 
change the color on the outfit. Yeah. And like, I, I had a friend who, uh, they said, you know what? I, I feel, I know I can feel really pretty if I, my, you know, doll myself up or anything, but I love wearing tank tops and I love wearing flannels and beanies and stuff to which I'm saying, fuck yeah, you should. Cause you know what? You look awesome in it and everybody else should feel that way too. Be comfortable with what you wear as even if it were to make you comfortable in your own skin because that's the whole point of everything you should be comfortable in doing the things that you do while not hurting anybody in the process and there's nothing wrong with wanting to look good and feeling good in your own way Hmm. so question five there are a lot of aspects of media that resonate differently with different people what would be your favorite part of this movie my favorite part of this movie, it's the – there is the credit sequence that shows you, the, the viewer, of what every character looks like and they're just having a great time just being themselves as the credits roll and you got the TV static background. It's very fucking 90s. Like I can't stress <laughs> this enough. It's very 1990s, which for any of you – Modern viewers or listeners and everything out there. The 1990s consisted of a lot of tilted camera angles, uh, black and white with a little splash of color filters, uh, TV static backgrounds, like ECW kind of stuff. Mm. And just, the, the, for lack of a better term, the grunge style. And that is where I appreciated it the most. Because it reminded me, you know what, when I was younger... I didn't have insecurities to the point of where I stopped wanting to be myself. And as you get older and you can literally be the coolest bastard in the world, eventually you'll be like, I used to have hair. I used to not have hair on my back. I used to be a little bit thinner and all that stuff. But, and I have to remind myself of this day in day out. You're still the same person. It's just an evolution of yourself and watching that opening credit sequence i was brought back to that reality and it felt really really good doing i'm like dude i don't know what the hell this movie is about but just seeing this i feel like i came back home so Hmm. so i mean i'm i'm excited to watch it based off this already I hope I hope you can have uh, a similar, if not a completely you know, different, satisfactory experience with it. Because I know for a fact that it's not for everyone. I know for a fact that a lot of things I listen to and watch are definitely not for everyone. Mm. But I always make sure to put it out there for those that it might be for. So. I mean, yes, those would be the two options, having a similar or completely different reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, question six. Following on from the previous question, what do you think would appeal most to the masses if this was like a general release film? Definitely the idea of a group of mutated outsiders taking back the ideas of it doesn't matter what you look like or what your status is as far as wealth goes. Especially now when Mm. people are finally starting to call celebrities out on their shit and like for a reference remember when gal gadot was singing imagine (laughs) 
Yeah. That was a big moment. I'm like, people are not falling for this shit. Like, what is this? This is ridiculous. And I was like, oh, my God, this feels good because, yeah, okay, you make great films and all this other stuff. But, you know, you're still a person, right? A regular person. And this does nothing. Like, you decided to do a little karaoke with your rich friends and you're going crazy inside your mansion. And we're still down here trying to gather a paycheck for assistance or anything else. Like, to me, that was a big connecting moment and so this film i think would definitely the idea of that um would at least appeal to people saying you know what i should probably check this out i can read a little bit as i watch my movie (laughs) seems to be a roadblock for a lot of people i find which is i mean i kind of understand but also it's just like it's not that hard it's really not (laughs) like you you miss out on so many great things like so many great original ideas and films and and moments just because you just have to look at the bottom of the screen for a little bit and then right back up. Even the first thing that just came to my mind is like, imagine Akira either dubbed or not released. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. Like it's a, Oh my God, that movie is breathtakingly gorgeous even to this day. And like I first saw it when it was dubbed, and then as I got older, I was able to find a subtitled version. And I'm like, this movie is still amazing. Mm. Like soundtrack, animation, everything. So fair enough. Um, so question seven: If I do end up enjoying this because of your excellent recommendation, what is your number one follow-up? It doesn't need to be a sequel or anything. Just if I wanted something more along the same lines. <laughs> well, uh, if you're looking for something along the lines of uh, mutations and uh, you know realizing that beauty standards are just ridiculous at this point and looking for a little bit of wild fun, I recommend Alex Winters of Bill & Ted's fame, uh, directorial, I guess debut film-wise, uh, Freaked. Uh, Freaked is uh, another film from the early 90s, uh, starring uh, Alex Winter as the titular character of uh, Ricky Coogan, former child actor turned Beast Boy. Uh, Megan Ward of 1990s Cutie Crush era. Randy Quaid as a Randy Quaid-esque character, (laughs) so paint that picture however you think. Um, An uncredited performance of Ortiz the Dog Boy by Keanu Reeves. And uh, Brooke Shields as Sky Daly, the TV show host, who is uh, hosting Mr. Ricky Coogan to tell his story on, on the air. I'll have to write that down somewhere. I'll, I'll listen back later. Yeah, I'll, I can link you to it because it's actually available for free on YouTube. Yeah, getting those plugs out for the, for the little guys, I say. Absolutely. You know, struggling up and coming YouTube. <laughs> uh, so question eight. Sometimes our yes. enjoyment comes from a position of relating to one another. Uh, did you have a favorite character and what about them stood out? Uh, yes. Let me look up the name of the character. I got to actually. Uh... Okay. So there is uh uh, there's a character uh, who's a Siamese twin. His name is Juan, and his uh, Siamese twin Alex. Um, and they 
we mean, you know, they start off as brothers and stuff like that. Because, you know, who, who would be a Siamese stranger? No, um, um I, who, I should, <laughs> I, I guess I should point out just in case that I think it's conjoined twin. Oh, it's conjoined twin now. I deeply apologize if I've offended anybody. I, I learned something new every day. So uh, if you could edit that out. <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody with my bizarre uh No, it's, bizarre all, right. Flu, it's all right. Uh, I just don't, I don't know how like widespread all that is, but it's just like I think that's the correct term technically. Absolutely. And I, I definitely would like to make the correct term part of my vocabulary since I do come from the old times and I do apologize for that. Um, but yes, a conjoined twin and um, uh, they one starts off questioning the leader of the group while the other one is just you know a blind follower. But then when it comes to the leader killing the brother and uh, you know him the other one realizing that it's you know, he, the, that his brother was right the whole time. Uh, he ends up falling in love with the hostage, hoping that she uh, loves him for who he is, but yet she has Stockholm Syndrome for the evil leader. And so through this film, he's pulling the weight, the dead weight of his brother with him, which is still a bizarre visual to see. And at the same time, is hoping that she could feel the same way for him now that he is uh, uh, singular on his own now. Mm. And um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, in the process of that, she kind of snaps out of it, but in the same way, they're still stuck in a fucked up situation at the end and they end up leaving together. So it's very up in the air as to what happens to them beyond the story of the film. Uh, but it shows how the classic tale of how the confident and very selfish character tends to, in in this film's own way of saying it, mind you, um, tends to get the affection of the love interest, while as the more caring and yet uh, insecure character is going through all of this like obstacles and and horrors to try to save her and it's it definitely connected with a lot of things from from my past and and everything else i'm like oh man i'm really rooting for this guy and uh you know he he got betrayed by somebody who he considered his friend and uh, in the process of that he's trying to go stop him and save the girl and it's not about the money for the hostage situation, he just wants her to be safe and everything and is trying to do better as a person given the poor decisions of his past that cost him his brother's life. Yeah. So I mean, that's a character that I definitely connected with just a little bit more because it's like, oh man, the the, the main guy was a scumbag the whole time. So I, I can't root for him. Like, I want, I want this other guy to win, yeah. even though he probably won't yeah. because Spanish cinema, foreign cinema is not uh shy of pulling the harsh reality punch to a lot of the stories that they have yeah, it's like unlike the, sometimes the the hero doesn't get the girl sometimes the the baby face just gets beaten down exactly so that's a, that's another thing that I love about uh, films not from the United States because it's like no man that shit happens and you know what 
it's more justifiable. It's not thrown in because even when a story calls for a more realistic ending to it, it still seems tacked on. Hmm. Like they don't know how to write a proper script here. <laughs> you know, stay, stay tuned for that then. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so question nine, which will end up being the last question that I have here. Uh, there are a lot of interviews that lean on the question of, oh, what would you bring with you if you were stranded on a desert island? But that's right. not us. Uh, what we ask Good. is, uh, imagine that you are indeed on a desert island with no chance of rescue, but that choice oh. of what to bring has already been made for you. And that is action mutante. So mm-hmm. how often do you rewatch it? And how long does it take before you get sick of it? Well, I'm definitely one of those repeat viewers. Uh, There are some films that I could recite front to back, beginning to end, without even putting it into the player. Um, Acción Mutante, I feel I could definitely give it a few watches somewhere in the triple-digit category. And... uh, until eventually I'm like, you know what? I don't want to put it on anymore. I'm going to act it out. And I'll do the <laughs> self-acting out of it. Because this is how I would get past the times of being bored either at work or by myself as a kid or anything else. Like I didn't – I was the youngest of four and the, the older siblings were already out being teenagers. Mm. And I was just a kid by myself. So like very rare I got to have time with my – one of my best friends who was uh, my cousin who – I would say in a way molded me into the ways of being more open-minded for film, music, art, all that stuff. So I was pretty doing pretty well on my own. (laughs) And uh, so I would act out a lot of these things by myself. Like I try to learn the tones of how it was delivered. I would try to learn the facial expressions. I would try to learn, like I'd take note of the clothing and stuff like that. Like I'm one of those people who is a stickler for details And so I think if I were on a desert island, even though I fucking hate boats and the water is a complete – the water is just grounded space, by the way, people. The ocean is unmapped completely. (laughs) We have maps of our solar system more than we do of underwater life, and we're still discovering shit under there. So no water for Dino in real life. But I'm on a desert island. I'm picturing it like Joe versus the volcano where there's a tribe that loves orange soda. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm like, I want orange soda. But um, yes, I think I would definitely get into the triple digits before I start just acting it out on my own. And I think the rewatch value is definitely there. So It's like, oh, can we go to space? Oh, we have space at home. Space at home is the ocean. Yep. And there's so many more deadly creatures there than there is space. <laughs> Literally, folks, if you, if you want to like not sleep at night, Look up anything about the underwater world. <laughs> You'll feel like, but I thought Jason Momoa was down there being handsome and fighting <laughs> Willem Dafoe. Or, no, Willem Dafoe was the friend in that one. But like, Oh, Willem Dafriend. Yes, Willem Dafriend, not Willem Dafoe. <laughs> That's the lighthouse, <laughs> which was the most Willem Dafoe performance ever. But... <laughs> Uh, so th- thank you for entertaining my <laughs> silly questions, but hopefully that's given no people a bit of a deeper insight into this passion of yours. Ah, I hope so. If not, then uh, that's 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 normal. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that'll be on them, I guess. Yeah, that's it's fine. Enjoy twenty seven dresses or <laughs> what's another shit movie? 
uh, Sucker Punch. I did not like Sucker uh, Punch. Thor Ragnarok. You didn't like Thor Ragnarok? Ah, uh, no, nah, too quippy. Ah, understandable. So, like, in a follow-up to that, are you more of a fan of the previous two? Yes, I find Thor 2 much more enjoyable than Thor Ragnarok. Wow! I am on record. You are a unicorn! <laughs> That's awesome! Re- really? I felt Thor 2 was a little more, too much quippy to the point where, like, hey, we got a lot of BBC famous comedy faces. Let's just focus on the one-liners. That's... I mean- I need to go rewatch that now. Maybe it's because, like, I like I've been grown through like the British comedy type of lens. Like, yeah. my, my father is British, but a lot of the shows that I would watch as a kid is just like, oh, Faulty Towers, uh, Mr. Bean, Monty Python, mm. you know, just all the like classics of British cinema. Yeah, yeah. Any young ones? Oh, not that I can remember. Ah. That's that's definitely my. If you, if you folks need a bigger picture of my way of like thought process, the young ones is probably a good uh, view into that, <laughs> along with these weird ass movies I just mentioned earlier. So, so before I completely bring down the show rate ranking with my uh, negative charisma, it's sweet. It's time for everyone's favorite part of the show: a word from the sponsors. Well, I'm not a fan of that. No. Thank you, sponsors. I would, I would literally kiss each and every one of you on the mouth were it medically safe to do so. Wow. I can't believe that I could actually use that, what they had mentioned. Yeah, I mean, everyone should buy at least three. Uh, I'll take four. Unless it's for the casino or the army, which we don't endorse. And no, we do not. No, <laughs> no. Stay away from those. Oh, hey, if you've got the money to buy three casinos, maybe give us some. Right? I mean, I would greatly appreciate that. I could definitely, uh, <laughs> I could use a new Arizona iced tea. So, <laughs> you know, I would love a new insert product here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll just go find some good profitable sponsors to overdub there. So <laughs> that'd be good. Uh, now, I'm following up from a review of the last episode, which there. Uh, so the last enemy of the show, which was Lithuasil, uh, self-proclaimed social justice warlock, uh, oh. recommended a film called Assassination Nation. Uh, is this something that you're familiar with? Uh, I've definitely heard it. Heard of it. Uh, I haven't had the strength to really look it up and uh, and check it out <laughs> because I'm like, oh, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty deep. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> deep right now. There's deep in the world yeah it the opening like the opening reel is like five minutes of trigger warnings Mm -hmm. and i think for a large part they are deserved but it also feels like a bit of a piss take Mm. because it's like oh all the kids care about uh gender reveals and trigger warnings it's like got that kind of vibe Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a fine film, but I feel like it went on for about ten minutes too long because it's it it definitely goes into showing the horrors of the internet and how everything is bad because it's uh, essentially anonymous hackers uh, get everyone's phone details and start releasing them, which then has the backlash that you'd imagine. 
Yeah, I mean, you get the calls about your car's extended warranty. Yeah, or questions from your wife about who your mistresses are that she suddenly knows about. Yeah, that too. I'm not married, but if I did, I wouldn't fuck it up by getting a mistress. Like, I mean, you'd think so, but apparently everyone in this film has. Yeah, I'm like, geez, man. Like when I when I when I saw I saw a clip of it. <sighs> yeah, I just I shake my head at the stupidity like, of this world. Sometimes I think it's very telling of society that I could just imagine that on the news rather than in a movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh yeah, this could happen. Next, <laughs> what, what are right? the sports scores? <laughs> The sports scores are a brand new panda bear built, born in the zoo, and he's going to be signing with the, oh, the Atlanta Braves. Hmm. I mean, they could use it. I'm sure they could. I don't give a shit about baseball. So. <laughs> I'm the most un-American American, by the way. Mind you, I'm Mexican. Yeah, but, go. like, I don't like baseball. I don't fucking care about, like, reality TV. I, the only things I really like as I consider mind wank material is like cooking shows and the occasional, Oh, this is a fixer upper. And they're, you know, like that's about it. But so yeah, you mentioned earlier about the, like a tacked on ending. This kind of has mm-hmm. the same feel, which is why I said stay tuned. Oh no. Uh, because. Oh no. Okay. So spoilers for assassination nation, if you care. Mm-hmm. And now that everyone's left, um, Yes. They end up like the the core cast, the four main uh, teenage girl characters, end up getting blamed for releasing half the town's private information to the other half. So yeah. everyone is in insane tear down the capital with assault rifle mode, and it's an entire town against these four girls who find a stash of weapons. But as they're marching towards the horde, all the other sort of teenage girls in the town come out because of a rousing speech about how women are disempowered. And it's like, I mean, yeah, I kind of appreciate the sentiment behind this speech, but it feels very manufactured. Like it's not genuinely coming from... From a female perspective. Yeah, like, oh, shit, well, we better tack this on or else the women are going to tear it, like that kind of thing. Kind of, yeah. It's just like, oh, since Uh, I've been born, I've just been given orders and you try to think that this is my fault. I had never had a say in anything I do. Yeah, it's just like, I I get it, but it doesn't feel good. Yeah. But then it it also gives the impression like, oh, they won. Four girls with handguns against an entire mob of really angry, angry white men, basically. It's like, statistically, that's not how that works. Yeah. I mean, you you hear certain wartime stories, which, by the way, history is filled with fantastic stories about women. Like, espionage, actually, like, sneak attacking and killing a bunch of evil fucking, like, Nazis and shit. Mm. Like... Look up the history books. I guarantee you they're better than whatever manufactured ending that we're speaking of right now. Yeah. But even like through the whole film, it's like, this is an entire world that I just don't know. Because I was never in the social circles. I'd never cared about like what celebrities are doing. I'm like, I'm barely on social Mm -hmm. media as it is. 
you mean you weren't moved by a group of people singing Imagine? Uh, I was barely moved when John Lennon did it. Right. <laughs> you know, in the before times, oh. in the long, long ago. Yes, the long, long ago. <laughs> the ancients. The ancient texts speak of this. Um, but yeah, I think if I was pressed, I would give it uh, like two stars, but it's just like, I watch it if you like. It's not a genuine film, I don't think. Mm. Uh, Bex is the main, is the best character, though. That is the uh, trans girl, and she does an amazing job. Nice. So before we wrap up this, the final ever episode of Check This Out for this recording session, and the third time that I've made this joke, would you be able to tell people a little bit more about where to find you online and if you have anything to plug? Uh, yes, uh, you can find me at Dino Winwood, all one word, because I don't think a real full name should have underscores or anything else. This is an AIM, for Christ's sake. <laughs> uh, but at Dino Winwood <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me occasionally at New Legacy Inc. That's I-N-C, Incorporated. Uh, and also every Wednesday and Saturday at uh, twitch.tv slash Andy E plays. Uh, that is for Dub 3. And uh, if you can find it on YouTube, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, my roommate, who kind of looks like me but in a cowboy hat, Howdy Price, uh, tends to put his evil managerial skills to work on those uh, every Saturday. And uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, just catch me on Twitter, trying to keep people positive and sure of themselves. And uh, at the same time, hoping that a company suddenly wises up and realizes that wrestlers can't cut promos and Hey, they need a manager. So let's hire that weirdo. <laughs> so. <laughs> and on that note, I've been L. <laughs> I've been Dino Winwood for way too long. So. <laughs> And this has been Check This Out, a podcast of media positivity. And remember, a journey of a thousand miles keeps the doctor away. Is that all it takes? Shit, I gotta get to work. <laughs> <laughs>